0: Your name is so powerful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. Your name's beautiful. It's mighty. Thank you, Lord, for coming to us and for us and dying for us, Lord. We love you this morning. We give you this time together. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, go ahead and have a seat where you're at this morning. If, If I have not had a chance to meet you yet, uh, my name's Chris, and uh, I'm the lead pastor. And uh, I'll tell you what, man, you came to a church in the cornfield with a really awesome worship team, aren't they great, man? I tell you what, <laughs> a lot of new faces, and uh, I tell you what, man, it's it's been great uh, just seeing new people say, "Hey, I want to serve. I want to be a part of something, you know, different and new." And it's been uh, just a blessing to to hear, and and the biggest blessing, maybe you don't know this, but I have no desire to be on our worship team, I play guitar and pretend to sing, and so they're doing that, so it's a huge, huge blessing just to be by my wife and actually worship together, that was one of the things we loved last month, it was just really enjoyable, and man, they are killing it and doing a great job, our media team and all that, yeah, give it up for them, come on. Um, one more testimony I want to share with you this morning is this, and this is really important to me. I'm wearing pants, yo. So <laughs> if you're a visitor here, that might sound really weird. Uh, so let me explain. What <laughs> kind of church is this? <laughs> um, we, so a month ago, May 11th, had surgery. And uh, for those of you that don't know, just to get you caught up on my grossness. Uh, no, don't get me caught up on could you not get that open? Were you trying, and you just couldn't get it open? or Oh, you did? Okay. I'll be eating Father's Day lunch by myself now. I, you know, you, there's not a lot to make fun of you about, so I was trying to find something, okay? I can open a bottle of water. Look at those pipes. Thank you, honey. I love you very much. Um, anyway, after surgery, uh, my wife, who I love the most and uh, is the most amazing person, the strongest person I know, um, <laughs> took care of my wound for me. And it's by my tailbone. It was a pilonidal cyst. And so, uh, for the last month, it's been really difficult. A lot of you have uh, reached out and, and just checked on us and saw how we we're doing, and sent cards. And I just, That means a lot to us. So, thank you. Um, it's been. Uh, a crazy journey, but I feel like the journey is starting to come to an end. Praise God! And so uh, this week, got to take the, the junk out that we pack it with, and and uh, you know, not even a bandage today. And so I'm like, I get to wear pants, man. No more jogging pants and, or even shorts. So God is good, man. And and uh, we're getting there one day at a time. So very, very cool. And uh, just uh, a huge, seriously huge thank you to you guys supporting us during this time. We had. You know, a lot of other speakers like Derek and Bethany step in, and my wife, and they did a really good job, didn't they? Didn't they do a good job? Come on. How many of you ever ate at a restaurant called Chi-Chi's, The Mexican restaurant? You remember Chi-Chi's? How many, like, just, if that was still here, you'd be eating there still. Yeah, okay. That's why I look the way I do. I worked at Chi-Chi's for a year. And so I was a waiter in college, and I loved to wait tables, and there was a buddy of mine at the he wasn't yet. But him and I started working together at Chi-Chi's. He was a little bit older than me. And we, had, we would converse back and forth quite a bit. And we were the only two on our staff that we didn't, we didn't really swear. We didn't really tell dirty jokes or laugh at dirty jokes. And I remember this one night. His name's Jack. And, and Jack comes up to me. and He goes, hey, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah, sure. What's up, buddy? And he goes, can you tell me why you don't swear? Like, just, just call me out. And I said, well... I have said the occasional word, but I try not to because I, I want to follow Christ and I want, to, I want to live a pure life. That's my goal. That's my desire. I'm not perfect by any means. And, and he goes, oh, I'm a Christian too. And he goes, what denomination are you? And I said, really not? I mean, our church is part of the Sembleness of God, but I, I don't really care about denominations. I, I care about being a Christ follower. And he goes, oh, me too. And I said, awesome. What denomination are you? He goes, Jehovah's Witness. And, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that yet. And so we start talking and we start communicating. We become friends, and he's he's bringing these Watchtower magazines to me and all these things that you probably shut the door on these people when they come to your house. I do too. And and I'm I'm looking at them and I'm going, this isn't biblical. I don't know what this is. And so so finally, after we work, we would get you know meals half off, and so we're eating and we're talking back and forth about the Bible and we're talking about Christian you know things and if you're not familiar with the Jehovah's Witness we're not going to get into that today but Jehovah's Witness don't believe that Christ is God they don't believe he's divine they believe he's a creation and and even John 1:1 1, 1, they say in the beginning was the word and the word was a god in their bible it doesn't say the god and and it's it's translated very poorly and so we start talking and having these things and at that time I realized I didn't know my bible as well as I wanted to here I am in bible school and and I realized I had to come prepared to work, not just to serve tables, but to have what, what's called an apologetic conversation with somebody, like an in-depth biblical conversation. And so I would wait until after work to have these conversations with Jack. Well, once the bartender heard us conversing, we would get to work, and we'd get ready to go, and you know, we'd get there about 4 o'clock, and the dinner rush didn't happen until about 5 or 6, and... We're sitting in the back kind of by the soda machine and there's the bar kind of kitty corner and the bartender finally after about a week or two weeks of this he would actually chime in. He uh, what I didn't realize is all the servers and the bartender were listening to our conversation. And so what they would do is they said, "What's the combo tonight, boys? What are you guys discussing?" And they were all just glued to listening. On conversation. So not only am I preparing for Jack, but I'm going, dear God, help me not get anything wrong biblically in the next who knows how long. And so served there for a long time. Jack and I became friends. And, and I'll come back to him in just a moment. But uh, him and I are still friends to this day. And I, I want to give you an update on Jack here in just a little bit. How many know when we have conversations as a Christian, a lot of times God's up to something we don't even realize it. We can't even see the extent of what's happening sometimes. And we're in this third message uh, of the third part of this series, FOMO, Fear of missing out." And I don't want to miss out on what God is doing. I just don't. I want to be in the middle of it, wherever that's at, and whatever, whatever He wants to do. When Heather and I started the church, uh, 10 and a half years ago, it' be 11 years that we've been to the church in September. Amen, yeah, that's awesome. And, and that's all to His glory, because we're just, we're just just trying to be faithful. That's it. We're not anything special. We're just normal people, maybe even a little weird. And uh, at least I am, okay? You can open water. So uh, you can do... Hold on, that came out wrong. You can do a lot more than open water. You're an incredible wife, an incredible mom, and, and I love you very much. And I look forward to our car ride after this. All right, so... When we started the church, we talked about What was our prayer? What what did we want to see God do? You want to come up with great mission statements and great vision statements and have leadership structure, discipleship structures, and membership classes, and when do we do baptisms? When do we talk about the Holy Spirit baptism? When do we talk about this? All of these things, you know, we had to figure out what do we do with the lighting in the church? What what do we, you know, where do we even meet? Because we didn't have this building. By the way, just a little segue. Because of your giving, I just want you to know this. The siding, I don't know if you realize, and all three sides is all done, the siding, that was rotting, so thank you. And the second thing is, in about two months or less, you will neither be in the dark in the sanctuary or under a spotlight. So, in a couple months, the lighting will be done. Amen? So, don't ask how much it is because I still cringe. But, um, here's the deal. When we said, what does it matter? Because it's not about the lights. It's not about a building. It's about us doing life together following Christ. And reaching more people for him. And so, what we came to is, I said, I want to have the greatest impact for God, period. I don't care if that's delivering pizzas for Domino's, if that's pastoring, whatever it is, that was our desire. And I would still say that's our desire. My desire is that you would have that desire in your life, in your sphere of influence. How can you be a testimony for the gospel? How can you do it and not miss out on what God's doing with your coworkers? with your family, with your neighbors, with those that surround you, that are around you all the time. When we see that happen, when we see God step in and start doing stuff, the enemy gets ticked off. If you can bring that game down just a little bit again, Jake. The enemy just gets mad. And I don't know, I want to give you just something here this morning. Do you know the enemy just does not like you? He hates you. He's out to kill and destroy anything in his way because he knows he only has a little bit before he spends his life in eternal damnation. And so he's out to get you. Well, I don't believe in that, Pastor. Well, look around. How's it going without Christ? It's not going well. We need him. And the enemy's out to attack. And so the moment you say yes to God, you got like a hundred things coming at you saying no. How many been there? Yeah. The moment you say, I I want this. And Lord, I believe you. And I see you working. You got a bunch of things coming against you. You're like, what in the world is going on? God, I gave you a commitment. And you go, God, I thought you'd protect me. I thought you'd. Have my back, and the enemy just gets unleashed on you. And what happens is the enemy is unrelenting because he's after the same thing, just in a very wrong manner, in a wrong way. And when the enemy sees revival about to happen, or he sees our hearts about to be changed, whatever it is, there's this all-out war. Okay, I'm a movie guy. We do At the Movies, a series in September every year. We're doing it again. And a couple years ago, did the the uh, infinity wars the marvel movie the avengers movie and there's this scene in there where robert downey jr who's iron man you can see this new iron man suit he has just coming on him and it's like the helmet and the in the shield and the, and the arm i literally when i read about the armor of god in the bible now i picture that just happening like boom i got my shield <laughs> boom i've got my helmet boom i've got you know and i just i picture that like god's just putting that on me i don't deserve it but he's given me that to fight the war that's raging around me all the time. Amen, amen, that's what it's about. Now, I wanna kinda take a little bit of a road here and talk about this because one of the things I wish I could do is I wish I could go to every atheist, I wish I could go to every Jehovah's Witness, I wish I could go to every Mormon, I wish I could go to every single person that doesn't believe and be like, let me just prove it to you. That's called apologetics. I'm not the greatest apologist in the world, but one of the things, and I wanna go pre-COVID here, that I saw take place before COVID was I saw some really cool things happen and I saw the enemy get really mad. Okay, in other words, I'm gonna call these two things, we're gonna call it Christianity on one side, that's our belief, and then on the other, we're just gonna call it science. We're gonna hold that really loosely because I think what happens is when the enemy sees that science starts to show Christianity as truth, the enemy gets really upset because he gets really nervous because a bunch of hearts are about to change and revival is about to happen think about this. Just go back about a year and a half ago before COVID. We never, we never heard that word. You know, we heard Corona, but we thought of something else when we heard that word. Now we know who drinks. Um. And so I'm, okay. And I remember the first time I went into Coburn's and I go into Coburn's and, and I walk into Coburn's and, and it was like, it was like everybody was going to die from COVID. It was the worst thing in the world. And I'm like walking, I'm going, I don't want to get this. And so I'm like, like, you know, there's no mask thing yet. And, and, and I'm like walking by people. And we're all like scared to death of like even being by people because we're all freaked out by what the media is telling us. And we're all think we're all going to die. And it's this, you know, yeah, it's horrible. And I know COVID has affected people. I'm not saying it's not real. But for that moment, I thought, man, I don't know what I need to do. I don't know. How do we act? How do we respond? What's the right thing as a Christian? Nobody really knows yet what's really happening. And then to take it a step further, not only did you avoid people in the grocery store, like you walked on that other aisle, like, you know, six feet away from them if you could. Or you, I've seen you. You've, like, put your head, like, away from them, you know, because if they if they cough or sneeze, they're the Antichrist, you know. And then, like, <laughs> that would take place. And then to take it even further, like I was going, is we would stop relationships with those eventually that, that disagreed with us. You know, those that would challenge our beliefs. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, we were offended. And so we had to stop and we had to go the other way. The enemy was winning because he saw that, you know what, people are getting along and, and look at this, they're living and they're building relationship, And the enemy's like, I, I don't want that. I don't like that. And so there's three things that I wanted to share with you here this morning that I believe... Have really been a benefit to science and Christianity together. I'm gonna to share a couple of citations. I'm not gonna get into a peer reviewed article dissertation this morning for you, because I don't wanna bore you. But study it on your own, and there's an action step I want us all to take with this this morning. So if you're ready, say yeah. yeah. Here we go. Number one Christian, Christianity and science agree on isolation. Let me explain this. If you go back hundreds and hundreds of years ago, some of you know this experiment, it's an awful experiment. In 1248, guy, the Fredericks experiment if you're familiar with this study. He decided years ago that he wanted to figure out what is the native tongue of a baby. And so what he did is he took, he took babies from their mom and he put them in isolation from each other. Because the goal was to see are they speaking Hebrew? Are they speaking um, Arabic? Are they speaking Greek? What is the, the language of the tongue that would come to be? He wanted to prove it. His desire and his intent was good, but what happened was really, really bad. And if you're familiar with his experiment, every child that he had within this experiment died. Every single one of them, before they could even get to the place of knowing what their native tongue was. Why? Because there was no physical contact. They were completely isolated. They were completely away. Can I just tell you guys, that was 1248. I don't think in a thousand years that's changed much. I think... We can't isolate. Some of us have in the last year and a half, and some of us, maybe you're watching online right now, and, and I understand some people maybe still aren't comfortable being back out, but eventually, I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith over fear. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay? Now, now, what happens? Not only because of his experiment, but what we've learned, we're going to talk about science first. What happens when you have a baby? I've, my wife has had five. We've had five together, so I've seen this Every time. Three different hospitals, five babies, to 17 different women. No, I'm kidding. One. So when we're in there, what's the first thing they do when that baby is born? What's the first thing? Put it around the mom's breast, right? You're just holding the baby. Why? Why does the science and medical community do that? Because they're all Christian, right? No. Because it's proof that that nurturing between a mother and a child is so powerful, okay? That physical connectedness right away, you need that. In fact, according, this is according to a website, it's called caringforkids.com. Attachment is the first way that babies learn to recognize their feelings and their actions by looking to the person who provides them with care and comfort. Attachment is essential to long-term emotional health super important. That's science. Does it sound a little bit biblical? Does it sound like the Bible and science just a little bit agree right here? Yes. See, emotional health issues have risen in the last year and a half to an exponential degree because of isolation. Nursing home deaths have been awful. COVID has hit nursing homes more than anything else. But you know, the other thing that has hurt nursing homes is they say many people that are in long-term care have passed away not because of COVID, but because of isolation. We know that's true. We've seen it. It's awful. Some people have, I, I know some of you have had moms and dads that that's happened to, and you have, with, without failure, tried to get in there, and I commend you for that. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. Let's look at the Bible. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Ho, 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 ho. just, just out of curiosity, by round of applause, does anyone think that, that some people in the last year and a half don't have sound judgment? Just out of round of applause. Just curious. <laughs> How many think common sense is not that common right now? <laughs> okay? It's, it's, common sense, man, is a rare thing. Grab onto it. Hold onto it. Run with it. Now, let me just say this. People who isolate, they're not the enemy, right? They're not the enemy, the Republicans are not the enemy. The Democrats are not the enemy. The person with this color skin is not the enemy. The person with that badge is not the enemy. Who's the enemy? Who's that war? It's not us. It's the enemy. It's Satan himself who's trying to tear people in our communities and our culture apart. And he's doing a pretty good job. I don't want to give him credit. I want to undo his credit by us being the church, not just doing church. Amen? It's still happening, even right now. And people still weekly tell me, hey, I'll be back. When I'm comfortable. And we're okay. Take your time. But I'm going to go one step further here and say, I believe, you know, we, if you look at our cameras back here, if you've watched online, and you know, a lot of you, if you're at the cabin or you're watching online, you're catching up. I, I'm so grateful for those tools. Don't get me wrong. But I firmly believe that online church could be the biggest tool the enemy could ever use. Because it keeps us isolated. We think we're doing life. Well, look at all my friends on Facebook. I got 2,000 friends. Well, you don't you yeah, got 2,000 people's lives you wish you had, and you don't. Stop watching it. Get off of it. You know, I, I, I look at online church, and I'm grateful that we can eat donuts while taking a bubble bath watching church. I'm grateful, okay? Don't get me wrong. But at what cost? When do we miss out on the emotional health of being together, of doing life together? You Not know, I had somebody this week say, I want to lead a group. I'm great. I'm great with that. I love that. The moment we think watching church is the church reveals our ignorance of the church. The moment we think watching church is the church reveals our ignorance of the church. You're the church. Okay, I hate when pastors do this, but just, just bear with me, okay? Just do it. Nike, all right? Look to the person next to you really quick. Really quick, look to him and say, you're the church. Okay. Now look to the other person and tell them the same thing. You're the church. You see, the Bible and science agree that isolation is unhealthy. That's why we're here. That's why we're chilling together this morning. That's why we're doing life, to encourage each other, to be life-giving, to build each other up. That's what it's about. There's a difference between isolation and solitude. Now, I've got to tell you, I love solitude. I think I'm more introverted than extroverted. I can have conversations with people and preach a message, be with people. But I love when I am just fly fishing in a river by myself with Jesus. Oh, man, there's nothing greater for me than just being out and moving water and you're catching a trout. And and when your phone doesn't work and the Wi-Fi doesn't work, amen? It's like, oh, man, this is great. That has a beginning and an end to that time because we're called to be in relation, okay? Not in isolation. Isolation is fear-based, and fear is a liar, okay? Isolation is fear-based. We've been talking about the book of Jonah, and I want to jump into much of it today. You can recap the last couple messages. And let me just say this. Usually don't plug a message, but if you're ever wondering what's gone through Pastor Chris's heart the last year and a half, listen to last week's message. I really was just very raw and vulnerable with, with you guys, with the church. So if you missed that, please, please have a chance to listen to that. In Jonah, we see Jonah is running away from God. We've talked about how the Jewish people all say, we are Jonah, you know, during Yom Kippur. And then he gets thrown off the boat, you know, because the storm is up, and he gets swallowed by a giant crab, right? No, fish. He's swallowed by the fish, and he's in the fish. And in chapter two of Jonah, something really beautiful takes place. If you're familiar with that chapter, Jonah starts praying this beautiful prayer to God. He realizes that he's fallen away, he realizes he's running away from God, and he wants to get his heart right. And so there's one verse that I want to share. It's Jonah chapter two, verse two, that I love. He said, in my distress, in my distress, what did he do? I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. I just want you to know that we don't have to be like Jonah in some giant fish by ourselves. We get to have those cries for help with each other. That's what a church is. Amen? Number two. Everybody say number two. Christianity and science agree on relationships. Now, let me preface this by not saying moral and ethical relationships, okay? That, that's different, all right? Um, we're not, I'm not getting into that. There are some scientific things that get into all of that, but I'm not going there this morning. This is out of House Landis and Umberson, so this is a little depth here, but I just want to share this with you from a scientific research platform. Many types of scientific evidence show that involvement in social relationships benefits health. How many are like, duh? Let's read on. The most striking evidence comes from prospective studies of mortality across industrialized nations. These studies consistently show that individuals with the lowest level of involvement in social relationships are more likely to die than those with greater involvement. Okay? Then Berkman and Stein, another study, peer reviewed, says, showed that the risk of death among men and women with the fewest social ties was more than twice as high as the risk for adults with the most social ties. Why is that important? Because relationships are important. We're currently living this experiment right now, by the way, in our world. You know, and you've heard me say before, if we don't connect, we'll disconnect. We're called to connect with each other. We've seen the rise of social media. I'm not saying anything wrong with social media, okay? We've seen an online lifestyle. We can buy, shop, you can... You know, you can buy and return stuff on Amazon. You don't have to leave your house. It's amazing. You can even get groceries from Amazon. Not at my house, but other houses. (laughs) We're too much in the middle of nowhere. And then cell phones. Oh my goodness, what we can do from our phones today? For those that are old like me, 20 years ago, do you think we could ever do that? That's crazy to even think about. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. What does the Bible say? And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up, meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. I think the author of Hebrews wrote this like last year. I mean, seriously. It's like the Bible knows our stuff. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. By the way, that's not a misprint. Day is capitalized there because it's talking about the day of judgment or the day of the Lord returning. So before Jesus comes back, we've got to spur each other on, encourage each other. We keep meeting together. Even when it's like, I don't want to see anybody today. Even the pastor thinks that sometimes on Sundays. Yeah. Yeah, even the pastor's like, you know, I don't know. Do I have to go to church today? And Heather's like, yeah, you do. You're the pastor. You got to go. Okay? But what holds us back? It's the enemy holding back those relationships. We build those walls. We're not vulnerable with people, each other. People tick us off because they have a different viewpoint. Let's learn from the different viewpoint. You know, Derek's going to be gone for a few Sundays and I know what happens because I've done that. I've taken a, I took a sabbatical about six years ago, took three months off. Uh, our denomination asked us to take one every three to five years, actually. And I remember coming back, and I felt so disconnected. You know, it was great having that time off and time away and for me just to focus on my relationship with Jesus, not my relationship with Jesus so I can, you know, give a message, just, just me downloading from God. But I remember coming back and going, I don't know what's going on. In fact, my first time back from that sabbatical we went to Subway, my wife and I, that morning because I wanted her to just tell me, what have I missed in three months? you know how much stuff you miss in the church in three months if you're gone that long? It was a t- I was so like, I don't know what's going on. And she filled me and we walk into Subway and there's this couple. I was so excited because I hadn't seen them in three months and this couple walks in and I put my arms on them, am so good to see you guys. And they do this. And I'm like, I miss them. I they go, oh, we left the church a couple months ago. Oh, I don't know why. They moved. They moved down to Florida, which is awesome. But when we don't keep connected, we disconnect. We don't know what's happening. You know, we don't see it. You know, some of your kids I haven't seen for long and for a while, and then I see them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're like three feet tall now or ten feet tall, depending on how old they are. But we're called to build each other up. And I want you to know if you've missed or, or you, you've had to, you know, be gone, you're not the enemy. None of us are the enemy. But we're called to do life together. We're called to have each other's back, to bear each other's burdens. That's the church. That's the church. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just in the fact you are doing. We're called to lift each other up. Another verse here, Ephesians 4.29, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think this is like the verse for 2021 right here, man. I really do. Let's build each other up. And I love both of these verses. They talk about build each other up in both of them. And you know where this word comes from in the Greek, build each other up? It's really cool. Can I just, can I just get like nerdy with you for a second? Is that okay? Three people? Okay. No? All right. Can I get nerdy with the rest of you too, just for a little bit? Just, just, just like, just, I don't care. I'm just going to get nerdy. So biblically, there's so much cool stuff that happens. And so you read both of these scriptures here and they're talking about building each other up. Well, where do we get that phrase from? They're actually referencing back to where Christ is known actually all the way back in Psalms as the cornerstone of our faith. And so it's not that we can build each other up, but we do it on a foundation of Christ. So our relationship has to be built on Him or it's built on nothing at all. And so when we build each other up on that solid foundation, it can't go anywhere. So when you tick somebody off, you forgive and you move on. Or when things come up, you figure it out. You keep going because you have that foundation. I'd be willing to say that it would be tough to do if you don't have that cornerstone. When we have that cornerstone, we can walk through just about anything because God has our back. Amen? Amen. Number three. Everybody say number three. three. Here we go. Number three. Now, uh, here's what I want to say with this one. This one's going to be a little tough for some this morning. And and here's what I want to say. And before I unravel this this morning, my goal here in this point is not political at all, but 100% biblical. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for, who not to vote for. In fact, in this next item, though both science and Christianity agree upon it, can be a very tough and sensitive topic, even for me. And so science and Christianity, they agree on when life starts. Amen? This is a good thing, Okay. Now, first of all, I want to say this to every mother and every father in here. You play an important role. Not Pastor Derek, not me, not your other kids, but you get to speak life into those children that God has called you to be with. So today, be with them. Encourage them. Build relationship with them. Pour into them today on Father's Day. That's your, go- that's, that's your homework, okay? That's not even your action step yet. According to Princeton.com, So this is Princeton. Life begins at the fertilization with the embryo's conception. Development of the embryo begins at stage one when a sperm fertilized. I can't even say these things the right way. oxide, and together they form a zygote. Human development begins after the union of male and female, whatever that, G-mates, it's a germ germ cell, during a process known as conception. That's out of Princeton.com. Psalms, chapter chapter 139, verses 13 and 14. I want you to read this, and I want you to hear this today. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know you full well. Now, I don't know about you, but I have seen the enemy try to attack this a lot in our culture. And here's what I want you to know. When science and the Bible agree on something, the enemy gets mad on isolation, relation, and especially when we look at when life starts. My mom, who passed away a few years ago, we were having a conversation, and I think I was 17 or 18 years old, and, and we were talking about abortion. We were, we were going back and forth, and we didn't see eye to eye. And I said, you know, Mom, what, tell me more, you know, because I have one sister. And she said, actually, you were supposed to have two more siblings. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And she goes, your dad and I, we, we aborted one before me, so I would have had an older sibling, and then after my sister. And so this is very personal to me, and I thought, my, my heart sank at that moment, and I thought, what? Like, I, I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know how to unravel that. And here's the first thing I did. I hugged my mom. For her to tell me that and to be vulnerable with me, and I just wrapped my arms around her. I said, I love you, mom. I, I you know, I love you. And and you know, I watched my mom go through a really tough time. Um, she went through a time of just asking God to forgive her and, and walk through that. And we had a great relationship. We had a great relationship, it was awesome. It was I miss her a lot. I don't know your story. We all have different stories, we all have different political views. That aside, if we are going to call ourselves Christ followers. We can't throw out any of the Bible. We have to listen and believe it all. Amen? Okay? You know, there's, a, there's an organization we support at the church called New Life Family Services. We support them monthly. And the thing about them that's so cool is they meet people, no matter their demographic or how they vote, they take them in, and they will give anybody, female, an ultrasound for free. Okay? We're helping cover that cost for them, actually, of the time that those moms have that ultrasound, they keep the baby. 75% of the time. Is that not crazy? That's awesome. And I want you to know this. If, If you have been like, you've walked through this or you know somebody or maybe you even have a different viewpoint, here's what I just want to say to you. There's grace, okay? There's grace. Grace is giving something we don't deserve and receiving something we don't deserve. There's grace for those that have walked through that. There's a great movie out there called On Plan that shows that. It it shows two different types of Christian. The one that's really judgmental and and is like, you're going to rot in hell and da-da-da-da-da. I I just don't think that works. And then they show another group that say, hey, we want to walk and do life. We don't want you to isolate. We want to have a relationship with you. Maybe we even disagree, but we're going to stretch across that aisle of disagreement so that we can be a blessing and, and a help and love you along the way and through that process i give you one more scripture here and we'll close. Psalm 34, 17 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. Think of it, the isolation, relation, or even when life starts here. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. If you're here this morning feeling any of this, I want you to believe this scripture. You've got a chance. He hasn't given up on us and he gives us multiple chances daily. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones, not one of them is broken. He's got your back. The Lord has your back. It was about 10 years ago. I get a phone call, and I don't, I don't recognize the number. It's a Florida number, so I'm thinking, like, is it like a free vacation for pastors? I'm mean, really excited. It wasn't. He goes, hey, do you remember me? And I go, no, who is this? He goes, this is Jack. We used to work together at Chee Chee's. Jack? What's that? He goes, Can I meet you? I said, Yeah, where do you want to meet? Chee chis isn't around anymore. So we went to the next greatest restaurant, Culver's. So we, we go into Culver's. And uh, that's where he wanted to meet. And, and we sat down and he started sharing. It. And I got to try to get through this without crying because Jack told me some really cool stuff and some really scary stuff. And so I would ask you to do this. Don't take anything I say at face value. I want you to test it all. I want you to question everything I say. Any church that you go to, whether it's the bridge or anything, you test it against Scripture every single time. Every time, okay? It's not if, it doesn't, if my words don't match his words, you throw mine out. If you go to another church and they don't match Scripture, you throw theirs out. Okay? And, and here's what happened. He said, Chris, when we used to talk, you know, back at chi he said, I didn't know how to defend what you said. I tried. And I said, yeah, you kind of sucked at it, but that's okay. And, and we were good friends. And we talked it through. And I said, where are you at today? And he goes, I've got to tell you something. So there was a child abuse scandal in the kingdom hall he was a part of. And I said, are you kidding me? And he's, he's an elder at the kingdom hall. They don't have pastors. They're just elders. And, and uh, I said, what happened? And they said, they wanted us, because Jehovah's Witnesses already get a bad rap on stuff, they wanted us to cover it up and not talk about it. And he said, I couldn't do that. I said, and I just I give him a big hug and I said I'm proud of you man I hadn't seen him for years and I says where are you at now he goes I've surrendered my life to Jesus and and he whips I'm, cry, I'm sorry I'm out the car he whips out his phone and he shows me his wife and his beautiful daughter and I'm like that's what it's about man. that's what it's about so we prayed for him we're still friends he still lives down in Florida I don't know how he got lucky, but I'll tell you what, man. Give God a chance on relationships. There's hope. There's always hope. And so this morning, I pray that we would see the importance of doing life together, having relationships, meeting people where they need to be met. Lord, the importance of life. That you knew us in our mother's womb, you knit us together. You had a purpose and a plan. Would you allow us all to live that out? And allow us to live that out in grace. Father, even those this morning that are maybe listening, watching at home, I pray they feel no condemnation, no judgment, but they know they're part of this family. They're part of the family of Christ, not just the bridge, but those that say we're believers. So have your way, Jesus, in us. Amen. Here's your action step this week. I got homework for you, okay? Some more. Other than grab her up here in just a second. Go visit somebody that's been shut up or has been scared. Go ask their permission. Go visit them. Second, Take somebody out to eat. And if you don't have the resources, I will cover it. Okay? Take them out to eat. Go. Buy them lunch. Well, I don't know them or they disagree with me. Then take them out twice. Third, minister to somebody in pain. Well, I'm not a pastor. We're all ministers in the gospel. Go will be a blessing to somebody that needs it this week. That's your homework. I'm looking forward to the testimonies that pour in this week. Take an action step. Think outside of what we need. What does somebody else need? Let's go be that. Amen? Come on, let's give God some praise and let's get out of here.